Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur live video and audio podcast. The topic is culture. What is culture? How can you embrace culture? Do you need culture if you're a one-man band entrepreneur or an employee? And some tips, tricks, hacks on how to build a culture, you know, like, like Google or like some of the Silicon Valley companies that seem to be very famous for creating this amazing place to work where it's like, it's like everyone wants to go and leave their job to work for them. So if I could give you a quick agenda so you know what's coming, and by the way, say hi, tag yourself in, ask me any questions as you're going through. If you're listening to the audio podcast, do the same, come and join the Disruptive Entrepreneurs community and comment. All right, so what's unique about you, what you stand for, what you stand against, doing the unnecessary, creating intimacy, showing the uglier side of uh, what's going on in your business, doing the right hard things, making your organization a home, continually improving and getting feedback, endeavoring to be the best, balancing business and personal, creating a space people love, and vision, mission, and values. All right, here we go. So how is it that some companies like Google or Lego or Pixar, Atari, you know, the Silicon Valley companies, seem to be able to create this amazing place and space where people seem to merge passion and profession and like love going to work. You know, you always used to hear stories of Steve Jobs and all these hackers and coders working 16 hours and 18 hours a day and living at work. And I'm like, oh, where, where are all those employees? I want them to all come and work for me. And it's, it's not just the fact that, you know, they, they make computer games or they, they make meaningful products and services. It's the culture that they create. So you don't have to be a Lego where people get to, you know, build things for play and for work to have a Lego-like culture. So the first thing you want to think about, write down, and also then portray to customers, clients, your profiles and the rest of the world, is what's unique about you. What is completely different about you to everyone else? Now, what that will do is that will polarise people. A lot of people will not want to go anywhere near you, which is great because you don't waste a lot of your time. But a lot of people will sort of walk over broken glass to come and buy from you or work for you. Now, I want you to sort of suspend disbelief if you're an employee or a one-man band entrepreneur thinking, well, culture's not relevant for me because I think it's even more relevant for you. Because if you create a cultural identity of, you know, what's unique about your organisation, even if it's a one-man band or a no-man band, then you'll attract the right people at the start. Whereas if you have to do it when you're 50 or 100 staff in you'll have a massive culture shock, which many organisations, including ourselves, have gone through, in which case you'll have a huge amount of problem, a mass exodus of people, and you know, it might take you a year and a huge loss of business to change the culture and get the right people in. Now, by the way, that's often a great thing to do, and you shouldn't be scared of doing it if that's what needs to be done. But you know, a huge benefit of having an amazing culture is that people will come and work for you for less, they will apply to you directly rather than through recruitment agents that might charge you between 12 and a half and 25 and 20% of the salary. 
you'll have less staff turnover. And you know what? It can cost between 15 and 50,000 pounds for a new hire. And I know that sounds like a ridiculous amount of money. And like, where did you get that figure from? Well, I, I, one of my mentors is James Kahn from Dragon's Den. He's personally mentored me. He paid him many thousands of pounds for a session, uh, sessions, but per session. And he told me it was 25,000 pounds, the whole absolute holistic cost for a new hire. You know, in recruitment fees, training, development, loss of business, loss of sales, uh, bringing them into the environment, teaching them the culture, training and development. My good friend, Joss Want Ray, who you know, has a great, had the biggest independent networking meeting in the UK, he worked in an IT business and he used to, he, he measured that it was up to £50,000 for a new hire. So huge benefit of creating the culture upfront and early, and I'll, I'll teach and go through how you can do that in the rest of this podcast, is that you save all that money. All right, so have a think about what's unique about you. You know, what's different about you? What will people, I'm getting people asking me on this live feed video, please help me by telling me how to do a live feed video. That's for another video, Megan. <laughs> So, you know, like, ask people, what's unique about us? What's different about us? What's weird about us? What's quirky about us? What polarizes people about us? What's Marmite about us? What, pe- what do people love and hate about us? Write that down, jot that down, get that from your staff, your customers, you know, get that from people who follow you on Facebook and your social media, and you'll start to create a uniqueness and focus on that, advertise that. What do you stand for? You know, like, do you stand for world peace, you know, poverty? Uh, you know, do you stand for... I don't know, disruption? Do you stand for innovation? Do you stand for caring and concern? What do you stand for? And of course, the polar opposite of that is what you stand against. So if you stand for world peace, then you stand against war and acts of terror. And once you can sort of, this is what we stand for, this is what we stand against, you're able to put your flag in the ground and that more strongly attracts these raving fans. Because what you don't want is a load of lukewarm customers that spend a lot of time wasting a lot of your time to not buy much of your stuff. You want raving fans, you know, that like Apple have the ridiculous queues, people pitching tents, you know, the the days, the weeks before the launch, like, you know, Coldplay or or Radiohead or a massive band launch a a gig and it sells out in minutes and the black market's selling them at 10 times the price. You want raving fans and you do that by being very clear about what you stand for and what you stand against. Okay, so third, fourth, fifth, whatever thing is doing the unnecessary. So, you know, in employment, it can very mu- be very much, well, we need to do this legally and we, we have to do this. And very much it can feel from an employee's perspective that the employer is only doing what they have to do for regulation. You know, they have to pay you, uh, you know, and they, ha- they have to give you minimum holiday time. And, you know, this is the legal process. And, you know, you'll, people will only work for you to pay the overhead. And as soon as they get a better deal, they'll be gone. And, and this can be Luke. I've got Luke just signed in, who's a professional golfer. So, you know, you can create a culture with you and your caddy so your caddy doesn't leave, you know, if things aren't going so well or if you're not having a good season on the earnings. So when you create this culture and you do the unnecessary things, you'll get loyalty and people will stay with you for a long time. And this is so important. They'll stay with you through the hard times. So what are the unnecessary things? Going the extra mile, you know, per- birthday presents, remembering anniversaries, you know, re- uh, caring about the, their personal life, creating goodwill, doing the right things. All of the things you don't have to do, but people know are unnecessary. You know, little things like we have Marks and Spencer's van that comes around, uh, which is, by the way, like the best thing ever. And, uh, you know, if anyone there is from my team, I'll just buy them the lunch. Now, I don't do that for any other reason other than that I can and I'm in the fortunate position. 
But that's not something I'm expected to do. And you know, just thanking your staff, saying sorry when you mess things up. You know, there's, there's um, Stephen Covey, I think, coined the management by walking around. So walking around, talking to your team, speaking to them about what they do in their personal life, showing interest in what they do. All these unnecessary things separate you from the, the necessary and will create a culture that people will come and uh, want to work for. The next thing then is creating intimacy. So James has just said, I've worked for a few companies like that that only did the minimum. And here's the thing, if you only do the minimum for your staff, your employees, your customers, they're only gonna do the minimum for you. Now, what you think is, well, you're being paid by me, so you should step up and do the work and not waste all your time at the water cooler or the coffee machine or you know, being the clock watcher, but it's gotta start with you. So you go the extra mile, they go the extra mile. You do the maximum, they'll do the, the maximum. All right, so the next thing is creating intimacy. How can you create intimacy? And getting rid of all the masks, all the bullshit, all the spiel, all the PR, and just being open and honest and candid and involving people and, you know, and getting advice from your team. Rather than asking for their opinion, ask for their advice. That was a great study that was just done in Robert Cialdini's new book, Persuasion. Huge difference between asking for opinion and advice. If you ask your team members for advice, you pedestalize them up. They think, wow, you know, my... My boss, my employer respects me enough to want my advice. So anything that can create this sort of intimacy will, again, it will reduce your recruitment costs, it will reduce your salary costs, it will reduce your turnover. You'll get recommendations, referrals, people will go in your town or city talking about what a great place you are to work for, and then you'll attract the talent rather than having to go out and hunt for them. The next thing then is showing the uglier side. Now, you know, there's a lot of talk of change management in corporations and a lot of change management is PR'd. You know, it's marketed or spun to be great and, you know, it's so much more valuable and candid and relationship and trust building if you show the uglier sides, the things that are going wrong, the challenges you're having, the difficulties you're facing, the vulnerability, you know, the non-perfection as you, of you as a, a boss or an entrepreneur, because they're going to be as much inspired by the challenges you have, you know, as you being the, the, the leader that can solve all the problems. So be very careful not to fluff PR bullshit. You know, if you're going through change, do it fast. Tell people what you're going to do. Tell them it's going to be hard. Tell them, you know, that people might want to leave. Tell, you know, tell them that, you know, things aren't always fluffy and nice and beautiful. And, you know, you'll just get a lot more loyalty and they'll back you and they'll support you. If there's ever an elephant in the room, you had a joint venture that went wrong. You know, you had a, a massive supplier that, that didn't pay. You've got a big legal thing going on. Address the elephant in the room. Now, of course, there's sensitive information you can't go and share for obvious reasons. But be open and honest. Address the elephant in the room. Then your team will stand up for you. They'll fight for you. They'll support you. And, uh, you know, we've had a couple of things like that. You know, a couple of legal cases and a couple of challenges and a couple of partnerships. And, and you know, we just addressed it. We talked about it rather than trying to hide it. And, and, and it needs the team together. Okay. Next one is doing the right things. Doing the hard things that are the right things. Because, the, you know, this. So many things that are right, but not easy. But, you know, if someone in your team has a family member that's ill and they've had all their holiday, let them go. You know, just whatever it is that you know might cause you difficulty in the short term, but it's right in the long term, do it. You know, a refund. If it's right to do a refund, do the refund. Don't do refunds if it's against your terms and it's not right, because then you just teach the market that you're weak. 
But if it's the right thing to do a refund, even though it's not the legal thing and you're covered, do the right thing. And when you do the right thing, people will do the right things for you. All right, next then. Hope you're enjoying this, by the way. If you've got any questions, comments, jump in. If you're listening on the audio, make sure you're in the Disruptive Entrepreneurs community because this is where we share, you know, get together and work together and form partnerships. We've got 350,000, I think nearly 400,000, I haven't got my data to hand, um, subscribers for the Disruptive Entrepreneur across the world. And only a few percent of you are in that community. All right, so next then is making your organization a home. Now, I have this vision. I love the fact that Steve Jobs used to sleep in his office. And, you know, Lego and Pixar and Atari and all these companies where, you know, these, these, these people seem to want to live there and work there 18 hours a day. And I'm like, why can't my company be like that? Why can't people want to ask me for a bunk bed in my company and do 18 hours work a day? But that's only going to happen if you make it a home. So we're going through a lot of change in our premises at the moment. So we're building like a games room. We've just bought a load of these big Coca-Cola fridges and we're going to be having free drinks. And, you know, we're bringing a lot more of this kind of more innovative Silicon Valley style culture and, um, you know, and giving to our team. Uh, Because we think if we make it more like a home, a nice space, a beautiful space to look at. I know people get feng shui artists in and they're very... You know, they, they buy nice furniture and they make it look nice and they have big open space and they have, you know, they have places where you can sort of sit and work at lunch and nice comfy furniture and, you know, the beanbag culture. But the more of your home is in all, the more your organisation is at home, the more people want to stay there. And, um, you know, it's not like you're trying to sort of con them into working harder, but the more they want to be there, the more they want to be there. It just kind of makes common sense. And because in the early days of business and startup, you think, oh, well, I don't want to spend all, all that money you know, on, on things that might go down in value. But, you know, you can get great secondhand furniture. You can be really creative with the space. You can get this um, uh, paint. It's actually on that wall back there where you paint on a wall and it makes it into a whiteboard. And fa- uh, Facebook have got this famous thing, haven't they, where people who go and visit Facebook, they can write a little uh, anecdote, a soundbite, and, you know, sign their name. And they've got some famous people that have done that. So you can do all these innovative things that don't cost a huge amount of money and get a secondhand TV and you can put... a a TV in, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things you can do that will make it more like a home. All right, next then is involve your team, whether it's just a PA or a VA, or you've got 5,500 or 5,000 stuff, involve your team in the culture. Crowdsource all of the ideas from them. Have regular HR reviews. What should we start in, you know, in HR and culture? What should we stop and what should we keep? And continually get feedback from your team because they're the ones that, is, that are experiencing your culture. So whilst you might think that you know more than them about creating a culture, they experience the culture. So they're more qualified than you to give you feedback. We're going through that at the moment because we want to bring in some new things in our culture. You know, we're experimenting with maybe doing sort of much more flexible work hours and not really having sort of set times or having set times that are much more limited and allowing people a lot more freedom. So we had a debate in our office meeting and we, we kind of, everyone discussed it. And it's interesting because... What you think people would say, they don't necessarily say, and people have different opinions and views. And we've put a study out on SurveyMonkey to our whole team so it can be um, anonymous, so our team don't feel like they're getting judged. And, you know, we'll uh, uh, look and analyse all that and data and all that feedback, and then there's going to be some common threads there that our team want. And if we don't give it to them, then we're kind of stupid. So, and it's the easiest way to create the culture that your team wants, is just crowd, crowdsource the ideas of them. Next then is endeavour to be the best employer in your town or city. Endeavour to have the best culture. So how can you do that? Have a little visit around some of the um, offices 
that might seem to have a great culture. You know, kiddie care uh, is actually local to us. My good friend Neville Wright, who sold it for 75 million is worth 100 odd million. Uh, and that had a really great feel and culture. So go and visit it, go and experience it, go and be a customer and buy some stuff from places that seem to have a great culture or get a guided tour or pretend to be a customer. And, you know, try and build some ideas and a strategy of being the best employer in your city, being the employer that the world want to beat down your door to. They don't, they don't even put their CV to a recruitment company. They're knocking on your door. They're sending them. You're getting hundreds a day because they all want to come and work for you. And it's just going to save you so much time, so much money. Maybe set it a goal for three years. We're going to be the, um, the most talked about, the best employer. Endeavour to have all the local newspapers coming around you, interviewing you because you're doing all these quirky, weird, amazing things. And people are actually going, I love my job. I love my job. Everyone's going around going, oh, my God, I love my job. I love Progressive. I want to be there. I want to live there. I want to, I want to have Progressive babies. I want to have tattoos of Progressive uh, on my forehead. OK, maybe I'm getting a bit excited. All right, then. Balance business and personal. Now, I've, I've done both extremes where I've probably been a bit too cold and, you know, this is a business relationship and you're an employer, employee and I'm the employer and we have to do things, you know, legally. And, you know, maybe not seemed, maybe just been a bit step back. And then other times I've, I've um, gone down the gym five di- times a week with my staff and um, I've taken those pre-gym uh, workouts, which actually made my face go red forever. You know, the no explode and the grenades. And, you know, I've been doing 100 press-ups in a competition with one of my staff members when, um, you know, commercial manager of Lloyd's Bank comes in to meet my business partner to look at lending us a few million. And it's all got a bit close and all got a bit awkward when it's all kind of got wrong. And they've maybe taken me for granted and I've maybe allowed them to get a bit close so that they don't really work as hard. And, you know, so it's like... You've got to care enough about your team to care enough about their family and what they do outside of work and help them achieve their personal goals as well as their work goals. But if you get too close and then, you know, become best mates with them all, then, you know, that makes the, 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 the sort of the strategy, the vision and the harder decisions harder. And it's probably, a, you know, a fine line between unprofessional and professional. All right, so create a space that people love, like Lego, like Pixar, not just the sort of making your organization a home visually, but a place that they love to be at. So hiring great people, you know, doing, having um, team meetings and getting your team involved and getting their opinion and having humor and, and banter and, and maybe having an open plan space where, where you're really aware of the energy that you create and um, just having a space that people want to be in. And then finally, on culture is the vision, the mission, and the values. What is the vision? My vision is to create a global financial freedom. What is the mission? The mission is to help educate people across the globe to make more money and um, teach and give more money. What are the values? So progressive, innovative, personal. Are you really clear on your personal vision, mission, values? and your corporate and your company vision, mission, values. Get your team involved in creating them. I know I've done plenty of topics. I've done podcasts on vision, mission, and values. So go and listen to them. I won't repeat myself. And that's it. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. Looks like we've got plenty of people on the video. Let's just have a quick scroll. Yeah, morning, everyone. So if you've got any questions, please do ping them in now. If we don't get them done on the podcast, we'll get them done after the podcast. So thanks for tuning in live. I usually do my live feed or the audio video versions of these podcasts between sort of 8.30 and 9 a.m. UK time, so GMT time, if you like to be interactive and tune into the video version. 
I've got something really exciting, actually, and I just remembered. So today, we've just launched the Progressive Property Podcast. So if you're into property, or you want to get into property, or real estate, and you listen to The Disruptive Entrepreneur, just go on iTunes and search Progressive Property Podcast. And now, we've been asked for years to do a property podcast, but for various reasons, we haven't done it and got around to it. But now, you know, we have launched a property podcast on all things property. No ads at the start, middle and end. You know, no loads of sales pitches, just pure um, deep dive content on real estate and property investing. So search that on iTunes and you can either get yourself into property or scale your property business too. No fees, no charges, just um, you know, information we want to get out to the world. Because as part of my vision for global financial freedom, property and real estate, that's a huge part. Because if you want to get rich and you have assets that pay your passive income so you can free your time to go and get rich or to go and you know, fulfill your causes and your vision, then property is a big part of that. All right, so thank you very much. This has been Rob Moore. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything.